0: Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. And we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. This morning I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to talk this morning a little bit about something that a lot of times makes preachers uneasy to talk about, Uh, from the moment that we're born, we enter into a business of life a business of managing resources, of doing things uh, in certain ways. We're the sole owner of that business and we're responsible for its profit and loss. Life is a business and a business wants to maximize profits and minimize losses. A business wants to maintain uh, a uh, gain and minimize loss. But the problem is is, uh, we don't understand and see our life in the manner of uh, business in that way, but we really do. And we've been talking about that business for the last several weeks. We've been looking at Uh, how we do certain things. As you look back at your life, you'll find that almost every regret results from not making the wise decisions, but making decisions that you realize are not so wise. We uh, regret how we allocate our time. We regret how we manage our money and we regret how we handle temptation. We many times misuse our time. We all have the same amount of time, but how what we make urgent and what we make uh, uh, in our life uh, important depends on how we spend our time and we put off until tomorrow what we should do today and so many times we misuse our time we mismanage our money we uh spend too much money uh and we save too little we give hardly anything to god and we uh waste our money on needless things and we mishandle temptation how we deal with temptation how we deal with the things that you know the thing is is that we're all going to be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. So it's not a sin to be tempted. It's how we handle that temptation. It's it's what we do as a result of that temptation. To be tempted is to be human. But to yield to temptation is to sin. To overcome temptation in our life is... Is not to sin; is to live according to what God wants for our, our lives. And as we get older, we realize that the business of life gets shorter and shorter. We uh, find that life continues on, and we uh, the regrets mount up, and the uh, uh, the things that we really hold and cherish get fewer and fewer in our life. And so we we realize that the, it's the choices that we make, the decisions that we make, how we live our life is really what's so important. We have been talking about that for the last three weeks, about how we make the otherwise choices, how we live otherwise, rather than making the mistakes and making the the. the the bad choices, we want to live otherwise. We want to live in such a way that where we live according to God's desire. We want to live in an otherwise way in which we can make sure that we maximize our life, maximize our uh, our potential for God, allowing God to use us and to work uh, in us and to allow us to live not the way that we would hope or not the way that we would expect, but the way in which God desires for us to live isn 't that what we really what what we want when it all boils down to it is is when we come finally come face to face with god we don 't want it 's not necessarily how many toys you have it 's not necessarily how much money you left to your family it 's not necessarily what you end up with in the end it is what god says to you when he greets you into heaven and i hope that all of us are saved and 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 that's the ultimate first choice that we would uh when we do pass from this earth that we will be greeted by god and god will welcome us into his embrace in heaven but then we hope And our desire is is that God would be pleased with what we've done with our life. That God will be pleased with how we've lived our life. And that God will look at us and say those wonderful words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, we all know that Apostle Paul, boy, when he got up there... That's exactly what God said to him. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We know other people like Billy Graham and other people that we admire. Oh, surely God said to them, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But the question is, will God say that to us? Will we have, will we have done the right thing in our life in such a way that God will be able to say to us, well done, well done one of the biggest sticking points for us in this life one of the greatest areas of difficulty is what we do with our money how we spend our money and a lot of times pastors will and as a as a whole i tend to try and shy away with about issues with money because usually uh, church members and deacons look at you when you start talking about money and say, all right, preacher, you're treading on thin ice. Start, better watch out. Don't be telling me what to do with my money. That ought to tell you right away it's a subject we really ought to talk about. The other reason why we ought to talk about it is is that if you look in the Bible, the Bible has 2,350 verses dealing with how we deal with our money. Did you realize that? Would you say that that's an important subject based on the, the volume and the number of of uh, verses related to money? I would say it's pretty important. It, it's it's something that God wants us to, to look at and wants us to deal with. And in re- in reality, it's how we look at our... It's not, as Jesus said, it's not... That money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. The love of money. If we use money in the way and the manner in which God is pleasing to God, then we'll not have any issues with money. The problem is, is when we begin to love it so much that we uh, don't want to use that money, that, that thing that God has given us for His glory. Uh, Perhaps nothing affects our emotional relationships with God and our family and our friends more than how we deal with money. Money is like nitroglycerin i, I uh, we in my family, we like looking at old uh TV shows and old old uh uh movies and things and one of the old TV shows that we like to watch uh, they uh, they deal with Transporting nitroglycerin across the countryside before there 's smooth roads and before there 's vehicles with tires uh, made out of rubber and and they had to worry about every little bump, every little jostle because nitroglycerin is so unstable. But it was so useful in the building of the railroad uh, system across the United States that it was, it was vitally important because there was no way of, of boring through solid rock mountains any other way than blasting through with, with nitroglycerin. And if you make the wrong move with that nitroglycerin while you're transporting it, or even if it gets too hot, guess what happens? Boom. Boom. It goes off in your and it's misused. It's not used in the way in which it was it wasn't intended to hurt people. It wasn't intended to 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 blow up in some uh uh uh, uh as somebody's transporting it was intended to be used for a good purpose of of construction making things easier and it's the same way with money. Money is something that God gave us that if we misuse it, if we mishandle it, if we don't use it in the right way, boom, it will blow up in our face, and it will cause us all kinds of trouble. But if we use it in the way in which God intends, it could be used in such a great and wonderful way. The writer of Hebrews is talking about Money and talking about the proper use of money and talking about the proper application of money. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Well, when we look at first blush, this looks like a verse that's related to covetousness, related to coveting those things that other people have. And that's a a huge issue with people with money, but it goes deeper than that. Let's look at it in the aspect of covetousness though when we look at this passage of scripture we see that uh, that if we misuse money if we allow money to be uh, so important to us that it can be an issue of covetousness in our life. It can be something that that we have an issue in terms of wanting those things that other people have, and and for uh, for a lot of people, that's exactly what money is. It's a means of getting all the kind of things that everybody else has. Covetousness, and covetousness, can be as simple as. Uh, you, you are. Uh, all your friends have the latest iPhone. Have uh, a smartphone, and everybody has it. And it's just expected that everybody has a smartphone, and everybody has uh, the latest smartphone. Uh, and if you look around, and every, everybody around you has an iPhone 11. And everybody's talking about how wonderful it is to have an iPhone 11. And you look down in your hand, and you don't have an iPhone 11. You have a flip phone. Or you have uh, a, uh, an old iPhone, an iPhone four or three or five or whatever, and you're sitting there and looking at it and you're thinking, well, I wish I had an iPhone 11. I don't know why I'd have to live with having a flip phone. I don't know why I have to go. Everybody else has got one. Why can't I have one? That's the beginning of covetousness. It's beginning to say, well, you know, everybody else has got one. Why can't I have one? Well, that's kind of an innocent uh, uh, first step into covetous covetousness but when it becomes a real problem is is when you begin to devise ways you begin to scheme ways in which not only you want you desire what somebody else has but you try and get what they have now when I was young, it was something it wasn't anything like that because there wasn't anything like that. but uh, I remember a lot of people put stock in what, what 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 kind of clothes they wore and and everybody you weren't somebody unless you had a little polo player on your shirt or you had a little alligator on your shirt uh, and if you if you were uh, somebody that had and I can remember. Uh, going to the stores and there was a lot of people who made shirts that... They didn't make them as expensive as the ones with the little alligator or the guy playing polo or, or somebody else that that symbolized an expensive shirt. They put something on there so that it, it that they could try and, and and make people think that well you had an have an expensive shirt, but it's not. It could have been a little uh, a duck or instead of a penguin or it was a guy. It was just a horse uh, riding on uh, a horse running instead of a guy on a polo. Uh, playing polo on a horse or it was a little fox instead of an alligator or something like that and all those little knockoffs were were an attempt to make it appear as though you have exactly what everybody else has but you didn't pay as much i remember there was one time where uh, we went to this outlet store that was in South Carolina and that was uh, that was a scandal to go from North Carolina to South Carolina to buy something. Why would you have to do that? And it was in this little town that that it it was kind of a little town kind of like ours. It wasn't a whole lot in there, but there was this outlet store there and it had all these uh, uh Shirts there that were the expensive ones, but they couldn't sell them uh, for the price that it was supposed to be because there was a, a miss uh, in the in the. Manufacturer of the shirt, it was a mis— misman- it was a it was a misrun. It was it was a shirt that had maybe an, a, a a thread that went all the way through it on the bottom of the shirt and made it not look like it was supposed to look, or it wasn't aligned exactly right. One little place—it might be one tiny little place down at the bottom of the shirt that it was wrong, but because of that, they couldn't sell it for forty five dollars at the at the store, and that was back when forty five dollars was a lot of money um, but it was they couldn't they they would sell it for ten dollars instead because it was still a good shirt it, it just had that one little it could it could be a little thread right here that because it was there, they couldn't sell it for the regular price. And so uh, I remember mom took us down there and we got, uh, we got in a car and we went down there. And all of a sudden I showed up at school and I had a shirt with a little guy on there. And I was like, whew, look at me. But I was trying to fit in. I was trying to, to look like everybody else when I really wasn't. Covetousness can be even worse, though covetousness can be where you wind up stealing what somebody else has or you wind up doing something that's deceivous in order to get those things that other people have it could be something even worse to where you commit other crimes as a result of your desire to have something but it could be something as simple as as robbing the time that you ought to be spending with your family because you're working night and day doing everything you can just so you can have what the other person has Rather than what you normally have, well, that's the that's the beginning of covetousness, and that's the beginning of the problems of covetousness. But this this verse goes even further. Remember them that are in the uh, uh, at the beginning of chapter thirteen. We see that, that the writer of Hebrews is kind of giving some information about how to live, and and he he begins by talking about sexual immorality and about how. Uh, it can ruin uh your your life in christ and ru- ruin your relationship and he moves on to uh covetousness because it 's as as uh volatile as sexual immorality because covetous covetousness not, not only uh uh, affects you as an individual, but your whole family, everybody that you deal with and and, and let us let's look at it a little deeper. he says, uh, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now I would uh, now the next part of this is he's talking about contentment, be content with the things that you have. What we need to understand is is that covetousness not only deals with how we react to what everybody else has and whether or not we desire to have it so much that we're willing to do the wrong thing in order to get what they have, uh, and and that's a lot to do with money today. And boy, let me tell you, it's, it's even worse today than it was ever before because now little kids that are 12 and 13 and, and younger even are on social media and they're showing the world all the things that they have and they're showing the world where they're going on vacation and and the extravagant things that they're doing when they go on vacation but it's not even that they could be going down the streets uh, to go somewhere and they show the world oh look I stopped at this coffee shop and got this drink and look I've got I stopped here at this place and look at the food that I'm eating and oh and I stopped at this place and look at all the things that I'm bringing home to my house look at all the clothes and all the things and it makes you Uh, wonder what kind of world that this person lives in that they can just throw money at all of these things was because they want other people to see the things that they do the things that they have the things that they're uh, indulging themselves in and to have a desire to have the same kind of life that they have I would love to see one of these young people getting on social media and instead of of uh, 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 showing all the things that they're buying for themselves, showing them going and, and doing things for others and doing things for uh, uh, highlighting the people that are in their life, that are being gracious and kind towards other people, uh, showing the world all the great good that can be done when we begin to to care for one another and care for others the same way that we care for ourselves but covetousness is all about me 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 my 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 and the writer here says God tells us that we need to be content with the things that we have why well it all has to do with where we sit Do we sit on the throne of our life or does God sit on the throne of our life? I I know you've probably heard that kind of old cliche and that old kind of saying of who sits on the throne of your life, but who's the most important one in your life? Well, you might say, well, I, I, I value my family. I think my family is really important, so I do all this for my family. Well, that's good. Like nobody would fault you for caring about your family, but who is the most important? A lot of times it's me. It's my. It's what I can do for myself. It's what I'm doing for me. And it really all seeped into uh, advertising. It all began years ago. It's not a matter of what you need being supplied, it's a matter of, well, you ought to indulge yourself. You ought to do this for you today you ought to you ought to take a moment and let all the cares of the world go away and just just care for you just just take care of you just uh you deserve this or you ought to have that or You've worked hard for it. You, you deserve this. That's what advertising tells us. Why? Because there's no other way to get us to buy that stuff. Because it's all empty. It's all useless unless we're thinking just about me. And what does that do for us? What does that do to us? Well, I began to worship me rather than worshiping God. When we covet, it's not a matter of just desiring to have what other people have. It's putting uh, the, my needs and my desires over everybody else's. Number one. And number two, it's putting my needs and, and my desires over what God wants for me. You see, you can't you can't commit your life to serving God if you're spending your life serving yourself to get the things that everybody else has. You can't commit your life to serving God if you're spending your life serving yourself rather than helping others and serving God by being someone who gives to others. You can't prioritize your life to live for Jesus if you're spending your whole life living for yourself. And that's what covetousness does. It, number one, makes an idol out of money. Number two, it begins to cause us to worship that idol, money, rather than worshiping God. And number three, it causes us to rely upon money and the things that we have over relying upon God. Look what it says. It says, For hasn't God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. When we are so concerned, uh, uh, our concern for money and having money and and making sure that we have money, it begins in making sure that we have enough money for ourselves. Making sure that we have a roof over our head. Making sure we have food on the table. Making sure that we have clothes on our back. All these are things that are are noble and good, but are we relying on our job and on money to do that? The author here says that God tells us that we ought to rely upon God God says, I'm here for you. God says, I'm there for you. Don't worry about what you have. Jesus in His, His wonderful sermon uh, in um, Matthew chapter 5, uh, after He goes through the Beatitudes, He begins to say, look at all the birds of the field. Do they worry about where they're going to eat tomorrow? Do they worry about if they're going to have enough money in the bank to be able to eat tomorrow? The reason that God said, look at the birds, is is because birds spend 90% of their day foraging for food. And yet they have plenty of food. God cares for them. God God doesn't forget any of the birds. None of the birds uh, starve to death because guess what? God provides for them. And Jesus said, if one of those birds should should fall, should not have enough, God knows about it. And what he's talking about is, is you know, if you see birds and flocks while they're eating in a field, uh, maybe they've just uh, plowed a field, and they and all the birds come in, and after the uh, the pickers come through, and they're they're sitting there going through and getting all the stuff that's left by all the pickers. If you see them, a little something will spook them, in and all of them will get up and they'll move over here to another area, and something will happen, and all of them move and go over here. And he's talking about, look at how they're hopping around. He says, if one of those birds should, should fall out, of the, uh, uh, if while they're hopping, it should fall down and not get up. God knows about that. God knows. And if God cares enough about one of those little birds that while he's hopping around trying to find food and falling around all the other birds, if he should fall and not get back up, and God knows about it. And every time they hop, He knows about the times that they're going up and coming down. If God knows all of that about every one of them, and He cares about you so much more because you're so much more valuable than a bird, then why are you why are you worrying about what you have? And he says, "Look at the uh, at the flowers of the field. They're here one day and they're gone tomorrow. And yet their arraignment is so much more beautiful than all the splendor of Solomon's robes. And yet we worry about whether or not we'll have well." Uh, Worrying about money is why we don't give to the church. Worrying about money is why we don't tithe the way we should tithe. Worrying about money is why we don't help the person that we know in the community that really needs help and needs our support when they're going through a difficult time. Worrying about whether or not I have enough for me is why... We don't, as a society and as a world, we have a tendency to want to squirrel away everything that we get and not be generous with the things that we have to help others. And That's what G, uh, what uh, God is trying to tell us here. Covetousness causes us not only to to make an idol of money, not only to take our eyes off God and and not rely upon Him. It also causes us not to do the things that God wants us to do. With the recent look, tithing is just simply admitting. To, to ourself and to God that I can do 100% of what I have to do with what 90% of what God gives me because I'm willing to give 10% of what I have in order to trust and rely upon God to help me to do 100% of what I've got to do. That's what tithing is. It's not... Look, God doesn't need your money to be able to uh, to to do the things that He... Once done, God doesn't need you to give money in order. And and in the Bible, it's put basically God doesn't need your offering of bullocks and 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 rams. The aroma that comes up to God in your worship, God doesn't have to have that. God does isn't sustained by the money that we give in offering. What we give in offering is a display of our trust in God. Is a display of how much we rely upon God and how we and yes, it is obedience to God and his command to give but it's a way of displaying our trust in him to say i trust in god i don't put my trust in this money that's coming uh, and because really it's god giving me this money to do with it and and it, in it in it it's like you see people come in with their little children and you uh, you see them and they and a parent will give them a, a dollar or a quarter to put in the offering plate Well, the parent gives them that dollar, but the child could sit there and put that dollar in their pocket, couldn't they? But we're teaching them to give, to give in the offering plate. So they take that dollar that Meemaw or Pop Pop gave them and they put it in the offering plate. It's to demonstrate to them, look, you go put this in the offering plate because that's what we're supposed to do. But it's also the the concept of Meemaw and Pop Pop's always going to be here to take care of you. You can go and put this in the offering plate because guess what? mom, and Pop Pop's going to be here to help you. And you've got loved ones and you've got mommy and daddy to make sure that you're going to be okay. And you go put this in the offering plate because guess what? There's another dollar here that I've got to get you that sucker or or that Coca-Cola or whatever it is that you want. Why is it that we can't understand that concept with God? God gives us everything that we have. There's nothing that we have that doesn't come from God. Everything you see in this room is a gift of God. It is a result of God's gift to us. Now, what we do with it is up to us because we have God has given us that gift. And we ought to be willing to give it all to Him. But He only asks that you give it 10%. It's not so that God can have the things needed to run the ministry of this church or that we can pay the bills in order to pay the electricity and all that. God will provide. God will provide. It's not that we need all that money in order to make sure that we have the things that we need in our family life, in our homes, is that God wants us to be, understand that, look, I give you this. Now you do with it as I ask you to do. Go take care of this person over here. Guess what? I'll be there for you. God says, look, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That word forsake means that, look, I'm not going to double cross you. I'm not going to scoot you out there and then go away. He says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to make sure that wherever you go, I go too. Isn't that what Jesus said before he left this earth? No matter where we go, no matter what we do, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll, I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. So he's in essence saying, don't be afraid of what is coming. Don't be afraid of the things that's around. He's saying to us here, don't be afraid. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Don't worry about what you'll have. Don't worry about the, as Jesus said, don't worry about what you'll do for tomorrow for tomorrow's got enough troubles of its own. Don't worry about uh, uh, having enough food for tomorrow. I'll, I'll make sure you have enough food. Don't worry about tomorrow what you're going to wear because I want to make sure you have something to wear. Just do what needs to be done. Don't worry about those things. <clears throat> God tells us we ought not to... to worry about money, don't worry about the things that we have, don't covet the things that we don't have because God's going to be there for us we need to be able to boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do unto me. I'm not afraid of losing a job. I'm not afraid of, of not having enough money to do this or to do that. because do that, Why? Because God is going to care for me. I'm not worried about... I'm not going to sit there and, and desire to have the things that I don't have. Why? Because God doesn't believe I need that. I lo- I would love to have... Uh, a fancy sports car that 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 is just candy apple red and and goes faster than I need to go and all that kind of thing and purrs like a kitten, but guess what i don't need that i don't need that I can get as long as I can get down the road and get to where I need to go that 's all I need i don't have those things because i don't need those things. And when we realize that it's not the things that we have, but the thing, what we do with what we have to serve God that is most important in our life and we will not have an issue with covetousness in our life. But this whole issue of co- uh, what we do with our money really asks the question, do we worship God or we worship ourselves? Have we made an idol of money and the things that we have or do we worship God? Is money more important than our relationship to God? That's what we need to ask ourselves. That's the real issue that we need to face in our life. If we can answer those things and truthfully say, well, I worship God, then you won't make an idol of money and the things that it can do. If if you worship God, then you'll do with whatever God gives you whatever God asks of you to do. And it won't be so... Uh, look, if is it more important to have all the things that you want and have all the money that you can get? Or is it more important to serve God and to live for Him? That's what you've got to answer in your life. And it begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it grows from there. Let's pray.